Hi folks and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Great to have you back with us today. Now, before we start, I should point out that if my voice sounds extra crisp and clear today, it's because one of our visiting clients who really likes this podcast has actually been kind and thoughtful enough to give me a very professional desktop microphone and begged me to use it. So this one goes out to you, Huey. Thank you so much for the gift, as well as for the pleasure of your company. As for the rest of you listening in, if this actually does make my voice sound any louder or clearer, you have Huey to thank. Whether that's something you'd like to thank him for or not is um, entirely up to you. Now, another thing that was special about this client visit is that during our conversation, it has actually come to my attention that this particular client who only found out about us and what we do here at NTI through the podcast wasn't even aware uh, that we have any other kind of online presence. He's actually advised me to set up a website, put some customer testimonials on it and so forth, which we've actually had since we started operating as a business about seven years ago now. And this is actually how the vast majority of our clients find us. This podcast is only about a year old or so. So aside from the fact that I'm personally humbled and flattered by the fact that many of you find this podcast useful and informational enough to actually contact us and do business with us, I'd also like to take this opportunity to remind you a little bit about who we are and what we're all about here at NTI. We're going to have some interviews with some of our key principals and division heads uh, in coming weeks and months as well. But just to give those of you who weren't aware for any reason a recap, Nippon Tradings International, or NTI as most people refer to us, is a buyers and proxy agency, as well as a portfolio manager for all things related to Japanese real estate properties. We represent investors who, in the vast majority of cases, uh, live out of Japan but have an interest in the real estate market here, whether it's for investment purposes, for their own personal use, such as holiday homes or both. So we help bridge the language and cultural gap, which is a big issue here, both for the Japanese companies, authorities and other parties who are usually quite foreigner shy and often cannot provide any internationally oriented services in any language other than Japanese. And on the other side, for the non-residents or the residents who for some reason can't open bank accounts here, don't have a local mail collection service, phone number, all of things, uh, all of which are things which are necessary for property ownership and management here. But even if you are located in Japan, like many of our clients are, but simply don't have the local property market know-how, the language skills, or even just the uh, time and will to do it all on your own, including finding a place for your own purpose to live in. We provide property research, due diligence, professional advice, negotiation services, basically provide you with a single point of contact and hopefully a knowledgeable one at that on all things related to your Japanese property portfolio all the way up from a single cheap house or condo unit and to large portfolios, which can include hotels, office buildings, logistics facilities, and shopping centers, other commercial properties, etc. We do it all and our fees are factored in based on the amount you're actually investing. So quite affordable and can save you a whole lot of time, money and headaches uh, that you might have to incur if you're trying to do it all on your own. Okay, that's enough of a sales pitch. Um, probably the only sales pitch we've ever done on the podcast here, aside from maybe the initial uh, introductory episode. We'll link to our website again in the show notes. Um, are you hearing me, Huey? This website does actually exist. Please feel free to subscribe to our mailing list if you'd like to occasionally receive some featured property listings, local business and property news from Japan, etc. There's a lot of very useful information there. 
and of course, everything that you've been hearing here on the podcast, but in much more detailed and structured form, can also be found on our website as well. So for our topic today, we're going to go seasonal. It's now mid-autumn here in Japan. Um, up north in Sapporo and parts of Nagano, etc., it's already snowing. So with the fast approach of ski season, this is probably a good time to talk about winter properties for a little bit. Japan is internationally renowned for having some of the world's best winter sports and winter holiday spots. According to Snow Japan, which is probably the most comprehensive English guide to those sites, there are about 500 places around the country where you can ski, snowboard, or just enjoy a nice winter wonderland type holiday. Anything from huge mega resorts to tiny local villages with a single ski course. Japan's snow is also considered uh, some of or probably the world's driest powder snow, which makes for really good skiing. And coupled with the 25 years or so of deflation that's only ended recently here, this makes for a really good, cheap winter holiday. Not to mention the food, the culture, the service, um, and all the other wonderful things that Japan is famous for. And of course the onsens, the natural hot spring resorts. And folks, if you haven't soaked in a hot traditional sulfur-rich natural Japanese hot spring after a day at the slopes, I dare say you haven't really enjoyed a proper ski holiday in your life, seriously. Most of the resorts here uh, will have a public hot bath on site. Many of them are actually natural volcanic hot springs and the feeling is absolutely divine. Now, if you come here on a regular basis for skiing or other winter type activities, you've most likely considered at some point the option of owning your own place on or near the slopes. Since as cheap as Japan is for accommodation, it would still be hard to find anywhere. Even the most modest resort would probably cost at least 6,000 Japanese yen, which is a bit over 50 US dollars per person per night. And most of them would cost more than that. So if you're, say, a couple come here for even just two weeks a year, you're probably looking at paying over 2,000 US for accommodation. And if you add just one extra family member or an extra week a year, it already becomes more cost effective to own your own holiday property here. Even more so if you've got a larger family or if you go on holidays with other ski enthusiasts, you could definitely cut your annual holiday costs by half or more by owning your own property here. Not to mention that if the resort is popular, it may be booked out exactly when you've got your your heart set on coming. And maybe most importantly, just having your own very own home away from home gives you the opportunity to deck it out nicely, renovate it, etc. to your heart's desire, as opposed to standard hotel or resort decor and convenience, which may not be exactly your cup of tea. The sky is the limit, of course, and if you look up uh, Japanese luxury uh, ski chalet or chalets, as our US-based or Australian friends would call them, you'll find luxurious mountain cabins with environmental controls, lightning and spa controls, all automated, accessible remotely via smartphones or tablets, architectural palaces, and so forth. But for those among us who aren't too keen on forking out millions of dollars for a place that they only use once or twice a year, there are some very affordable options out there as well, and that's what we're going to focus on here today. So first, maybe where to buy? Well, as close to your favorite resort um, is probably the obvious answer, but since the bigger and more famous resorts can be more expensive than you'd care for, it might be a good idea to familiarize yourself a little bit with some of the less internationally famous ones. 
Again, Snow Japan, great website for that. These resorts would have less English language services or less English fluent staff running around and you want to make sure that they've got the right number and types of courses and activities for the right ages in your group. But with a bit of research and an open mind, you can find some gorgeous hidden gems that might be perfect and very affordable for your purposes. So price-wise, what are we talking about? Generally speaking, places that are very close to the slopes are normally in the bigger, fully serviced hotel-type apartment buildings, and these carry substantial monthly management and maintenance fees. On the upside, there are many older Japanese and foreign families that are no longer using their properties there, and they're practically giving them away for a song just so that they can stop paying those monthly fees. So we've had clients purchase very reasonably comfortable older apartments in and around those places for as little as three, four, or five thousand US dollars. In those cases, your due diligence would mainly consist of finding out what exactly the monthly fees are. These can be anywhere from about five to thirty thousand Japanese yen per month, so about forty and anywhere up to two hundred and fifty US dollars or so in most cases which again can be quite cost-effective if your average yearly accommodation on your holiday normally costs you two, three, or four thousand dollars a year. But you'd also want to carefully review the building's reserve fund pool status, the renovation repair history, just as you would in the case of any condo unit that you're purchasing, to make sure that there's not a high risk of those fees suddenly going up too much or too fast over the next five or ten years. There have also been more than a few cases of mismanagement and even uh, embezzlement in one or two cases by resort management firms. So due diligence is really important here. Do your research again or hire a buyer's agent services to do it for you. Other properties that are not condo resort units can cost a bit more, say, 10, 20 or even a few hundred thousand dollars in case you want to own your own little villa or, or cabin home with a plot of freehold land. But those properties on the upside carry close to zero monthly fees, so well worth the expense over a longer period of time. It's really a matter of taste. Another important factor to consider is, of course, the distance to the slopes. So the pricier maintenance resort-type properties, again, will often be very close to the courses. And as the resort service level goes down and the monthly fees decline, they tend to be a bit further away. But they'll often be right next to a shuttle bus or ski lift stop, which takes you right there. And unit owners in those resorts normally get heavily discounted or even free use of both the shuttle buses or the ski lifts. Also heavily discounted or free usage of the facilities. So the onsen, hot springs, the heated swimming pools, tennis courts, equipment rentals, etc. Look into it when you're inquiring about any particular property because that's also a large part of the expense that you'll be up for um, and will be saving on if you end up buying your own place. Now, many of you will probably assume that you can rent out your property to other guests when you're not using it. And there definitely are a lot of owners out there who have been and are doing that. But you want to bear in mind that in the case of managed resorts, this is normally forbidden. And with the latest anti-short-term stay legislation that passed in Japan in June this year, or the anti-Airbnb laws, as they're usually referred to, you may be facing some serious consequences. There have already been more than a few foreigners arrested and deported around the country for running afoul of these laws. So it's really best to consider your purchase a lifestyle choice rather than a money-making scheme. 
unless you own the entire structure, of course, in which case you've got a lot more freedom to do with it as you please. When you are in attendance, though, you'll normally be able to bring um, whoever you want with you to stay. Just check again ahead of the purchase because some of the resorts actually charge a small daily fee for any extra guests beyond the immediate registered family. Okay, so let's say you found a cheap old property and you now want to furnish and renovate it, um, which is obviously a big part of owning your own dream holiday uh, home away from home type of place. If you're a DIY enthusiast or you're living in Japan and you've got the time and the language skills to research and manage your renovation and furnishing on your own, excellent. If not, you'll obviously need someone to do this for you. Some of the more internationally renowned sites like uh, Niseko or Hakuba will have some local expats who can provide these services in English, but they'll often be on the slightly more expensive side just due to the nature of the place and the clientele. So if you're in any other location or you just don't want to pay as much, it's a good idea to hire a management company which can facilitate those services at more affordable prices and lower entry levels. You will need to research, get some quotes from local Japanese companies, ask them to send you pictures of potential furniture, appliance model numbers, type of flooring, wallpaper that they usually use, etc. So you'll need to be a bit of a project manager for a while and also to coordinate with resort management because they'll need to be informed of the days and times in which the renovation professionals and delivery people are going to be coming in and that will not be allowed at any time of the day and night of course so it needs to be uh, scheduled with them in advance and according to their instructions. Again bear in mind that typical Japanese service providers will not be able to communicate in English, they will not be able to receive or send funds overseas etc. So a buyer's agent or portfolio manager is probably your best choice if you're not a resident. That would simply simplify things as far as insurance, property, purchase tax payments, etc. go as well. And most importantly, make the entire process a bit easier and with less room for just costly mistakes. Okay, that's probably it from us today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Hope you found this episode interesting. Please feel free to share it with anyone who may also benefit from it on your social networks, etc. Also feel free to contact us um, and leave us a comment in the comment section of wherever you may have found this podcast or via our website, which we will link to in the show notes this time, on the original podcast platform, podigy.com. That's where you can always find the uh, show notes. You can easily find the original post if you just Google Japan Real Estate Podcast. We're always first place on that list. And if you're listening on your iPhone or your iPad, We'd really, really appreciate it if you could take a moment of your time and leave us a rating, good or bad, on the iTunes store. It helps us improve and it helps others find us and get access to this information, which could help them make a dream come true or just help them save some money on the first-time deal here in the land of the rising sun. So please leave us a rating if you've got a moment. Hope to have you again with us next time. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you, as always, happy investing.